Amen. It is a great reminder to remind ourselves that we are who he says we are, not who the world says we are or even who we think we are. It matters most who Christ says we are. Um, Last week, we uh, talked about uh, being a carrier and, uh, or to be a carrier. And I, if you missed last week or if you weren't with us, uh, I'm not going to unpack it all again, but you can go on our app, uh, North Goodland BC, in your app store, or you can go to our website, northgoodland.org, and you can listen to last week's message and find out what we meant by uh, be a character or be a carrier. You can be a character too, I guess that's fine, but we're saying be a carrier. Um, but this, we also discovered last week, and we're going to kind of follow up a little bit to last week's message as well. Uh, we discovered last week that church is for everyone, not just church people. Uh, that church is for everyone, not just church people. Uh, this doesn't mean, again, uh, that we change the word of God for everyone to meet their expectations or ideas. It means we share his word with everyone and watch him change there, and we need to remind ourselves and ours, again, it's not a us and them, right? But when someone comes into the church who doesn't know Christ and doesn't know what it means to be a follower of Christ, and so we don't need to conform them to what we think, we let the word of God conform them to the image of Christ, because only he can do that, just as he only did it with us. Uh, nobody in this room is better than anyone else. Maybe you're here and you know Christ, and maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. You don't know him as your Lord and personal Savior. The person sitting down the row from you or in front of you that knows Christ is not better than you. It just means that they've discovered or were shared, somebody shared with them the truth of salvation, that they can know Christ and have their sins forgiven. And so this morning, we're going to kind of unpack a little bit more of what that means, that the church is for everyone, not just church people. So if we unpack that a little bit more, I want to kind of help us understand something that we saw or you can see down here in our Word of Life room. And in our Word of Life room, which is the last room on the, at the end of the hallway down here where we have our junior church class and Wednesday Word of Life, on the bulletin board there, it says, you are a piece of God's plan. And around that are some puzzle piece shapes. And I love that phrase, that you are a piece of God's plan. So many times we forget how valuable we truly are in the plan that God has for us and has for the church. No matter how you see yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, your gifts, or your lack thereof, what you perceive to be a lack of gifts or talents, you are needed in the church because you are a piece of God's plan. Uh, We so often we short sell ourselves, we think less of ourselves, or we think too much of ourselves. We're usually at one of those two extremes. Either I think I'm awesome or I'm nobody. And we kind of live in those two extremes. But really the reality is God says, no, no, no. We humbly come before him, right? We're not here for proud religion. We're here to humbly admit that we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So we cry out for his grace and forgiveness. But as we humble ourselves before him and we find Christ and receive the salvation he offers, now through the word of God, we start to understand why we were even created. Why do we even exist in this world? Not to please ourselves, but to please him, to honor him in all that we say and do. And so how do we do that? By realizing that God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you, just as you are. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect and we don't need to be worked on a little bit. Everyone in this room needs a little maintenance. You know what I mean? Uh, You ever go through some time in your life and you know God was giving you some maintenance? He was working on you a little bit? Had to kind of, you know, refine some things? Uh, Every single day, raising my boys, I pray, God, refine me today to say, think, and do what you would have me to do in reacting to them. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't always do that. There's a lot of times I'll react to my son 
my oldest son, Anthony, who's now 14, I'll react instead of acting. And you, you know the difference, right? We don't react to people in our lives. We act. Reacting causes us to respond to what they're doing. That means we're allowing their weakness, their aggression, their words to cause us to react in a similar way. But we act in a Christ-like way to say, no, 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 I'm not going to respond just because my 14-year-old is giving attitude doesn't mean that I as the adult give attitude. I respond in a Christ-like way. I don't always do that. Amen? I know I'm preaching here to the church, and I know everyone here is like, oh, brother, man, when I was raising my kids, little angels, like, you know, they just floated around on clouds. They were so perfect. It was great. Okay? I know most of your children. It's not true. Okay? Just saying. But we all have these moments in our life where we realize, God, I know I'm a part of your plan, and I know you want me to use me just as I am. It doesn't mean there aren't things he's working on. It doesn't, so many people think, well, when I get this taken care of, or I figure this out, or I'm no longer uh, short-sighted in this way, or I don't have this weakness, then I'll step up and God can use me. Oh, no, it's through God using you that he refines you. The greatest way that God will refine us into the image of Christ to be those things that we know we can be in Christ is by stepping out and allowing him to use us in little things or big things, in acts of kindness for Christ in really big ways, or maybe by just going next door to your neighbor who's having cancer treatments and just knocking on the door and say, hey, I, I heard about the, the treatments. Can I pray for you? Like, how are things going? Can, can we make you a meal? Can we do something? It sounds so simple, but I'm telling you, it's part of God's plan. It's how God can use you just as you are. Now, the reality is you may not believe that you are a part of God's plan because of whatever you feel your weaknesses or limitations are. You may not believe that because you doubt how God can use someone like you. You don't believe it because you doubt, God, how could you use someone like me? How can you use someone that's done what I've done? How can you use someone that's done what I've done? And the reality is I totally get that. Because I ask God the same question almost daily. God, there's no way you can use someone like me. Man, I know myself better than than anyone else knows me. But, but the reality is God knows you better than you know yourself and he still loves you. He still cares for you. He still has a plan for you. And when we repent of our sin, turn and trust in him and say, God, I'm all yours, he will begin to use us. Even in little mundane, routine, everyday ways, sometimes even in big ways. We were just talking in our uh, Wednesday night adult group. So we talked about Word of Life a little bit ago. Um, which goes from 6.45 to 8.15. We have our student ministry, which is 7th through 12th grade on Wednesday nights. They go from 6.45 to 8.15. And then our adult class meets. It's our kind of like a mini Bible study and prayer service. And so we actually try to spend some time in God's word. And then we actually spend a good amount of time in just an open free prayer where people can pray. And so we were just talking this last Wednesday night about Ephesians chapter 1. We're not going to go there, but in Ephesians 1, it says that God chose us that you are chosen. And we just sang that song. By the way, that's amazing. We didn't, Jeff and I didn't plan that. I didn't say, hey, make sure you do this song. But God is sovereign and God works all things together for his good. And so, so we know that we are chosen in Christ. And we spent some time talking about how great a blessing that is, but how unimaginable that is, that God would actually choose me. And someone in the class said, man, I, I know me and it blows me away that God would ever choose me. I mean, you know you, and you know, sometimes you think, do you ever stop and think, God, how could you ever choose me? 
But the reality is he has chosen you in Christ. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And you may not believe it because of your human thinking that we all battle with, but the reality is he still has a plan and a purpose for you. The truth is that in Christ, in salvation, we are chosen and gifted for his glory. We can plug in and be a part of what God desires to do in this community through this local church. We can plug in and be a part of what God wants to do. And I believe that we haven't even scratched the surface of what God can do when a church is, a, is full of fully devoted followers of Christ. You see, we are all joined together in Christ into one church, the church. We're all part of the body. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles in the seats in front of you uh, that we provide to you. If you're using one of those, uh, it's page 824. You can turn right to page 824 if you're using one of the Bibles provided, um, which would be Ephesians chapter 2. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament is a letter that the Apostle Paul, who was a missionary church planner, he established the church at Ephesus, which is the city where this church resides. And so that's why it's called the book of Ephesians. It's written to the Ephesian believers, those in the church. And the Apostle Paul is writing these words to the church as an encouragement to strengthen their faith and to encourage them. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 17. Again, if you're using one of the Bibles provided, page 824. So Ephesians 2 and verse 17. Now Paul's speaking of his ministry here and what he desired to share with them. It says, And came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him, that's through Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So Paul is using a building analogy here of a structure. He says here in verse 21 of chapter 2. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also have built it together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, this is referring to what Paul is kind of encouraging the church, that they are all part of this building, this structure, this, this church thing. And I'm gonna, we're going to unpack a little bit more of what that looks like, but I want to encourage you today that you have a place, a spot, a designed purpose in the church right now. Not five years from now, not ten years from now, but right now. And so let's pray. I know Jeff already prayed for our time this morning, but let's pray and let's ask God to affirm these things in our hearts and minds that we may be changed by the reading of his word. Father, we thank you so much for your amazing grace. Lord, we are overwhelmed by the wonder of your love for us. And Lord, I pray again, if there's anyone in this auditorium, anyone watching online that does not know you as their Lord and personal savior, Lord, it's not religion that forgives our sins and, and, and gives us entrance into heaven. It's not good works. We can never work enough good to overcome the sin that we have committed. Because, Lord, you say very clearly that your standard is perfection. And myself included, there's no one perfect. But I'm so thankful that in Christ, we don't have to be perfect. Because your perfection is granted and gifted to us. That our sins can be forgiven because of your great love for us. And so I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that has never made that decision to trust Christ, I pray that they would begin to open their heart and mind up to the reality and the truth of your love for them. Lord, maybe they've gone to church before. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they've heard the gospel. Maybe they haven't. Lord, maybe there's something 
that's, that they're struggling with in believing that you really exist or that you really would love them. Maybe there's a question or a doubt they have or something along those lines. I pray that you'd give them wisdom. But I also pray, Lord, that maybe they reach out to someone that's a believer, to a Christian, and, and maybe ask that question and get into your word and, and see if the Bible gives us a solution to their question. If we can come to an, an understanding of, of what that might be. Lord, I pray that you would just work in the hearts and minds of those of us that know you as Savior. I pray you'd help us to know that although we know our limitations and our weaknesses and we feel sometimes it's useless, I pray we would know that at every season, every season of our lives, we can be used for your glory. Father, we thank you for all of this and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone is needed in the church. Church is not just for everyone, but everyone is needed. I love what a commentator, Warren Worsby, says about this idea of us, plural, being the singular temple of the Lord. Well, I love what he says about this idea of us as, uh, as a plural. There's many of us, but we make up the one body of Christ, the temple of the Lord, which is what Paul's referring to here. He says this, each time someone trusts in Christ, another stone, using this example of a building, Another stone is quarried out of the pit of sin and cemented by grace into the building. I love that. Every time someone trusts in Christ, another stone, that's you and I, when we trust in Christ, we're represented as this stone, this building block. Another stone is quarried out of the pit of sin and cemented by grace, not good works. Not your ability, not your performance, not how often you go to church, not how often you've been baptized or tithed or any of those things. It's by grace that we are saved through faith. It is cemented by grace into the building. He goes on to say this. It may look to us that the church on earth is a pile of rubble and ruins, but God sees the total structure as it grows. What a privilege, he says, we have to be put up, we have to be a part of his church. Quote, a habitation of God through the spirit. And what a blessing that we get to be a part of his church by his grace and we can be the dwelling place of the spirit of God. You see, the church is not the building. This is just merely the place that houses the church. See, when we gather together as individual believers, when we come together as a collected body to worship him and to praise him and to preach his word and to just apply his word to our lives and to serve one another, man, we're the church, the body of Christ. This building just merely houses the body. This is just the, the gathering place, if you will. But there's nothing holy about the plywood and the, the, the drywall and the two-by-fours. There's nothing holy about any of the building materials here. It's, just, it's, it's merely the place that we meet. But we, individually and collectively, are the body of Christ when we come together. The truth is, you may have, thinking of the stone analogy, you may have some rough edges. You may not be the perfectly polished, smooth stone ready to be built upon. You may be completely unique from the other stones around you in the church. And some of you are very unique. I won't name names. You know who you are. But I say that jokingly. Wow, amen. There's somebody who owns it. Just like, yep, right here. This is guy right here. Maybe you're completely unique from what other stones look like. But here's the beauty of that. You are needed in the church. Because God has gifted you in Christ as you've received him as your savior. He's gifted you with exactly what the church needs. And here's the thing. Maybe it's not the gift that you think you should have. 
Maybe it's something different than what you thought it would be. But the beauty of that is when you just submit to him and say, no, Lord, it's your glory on display. I'll do whatever. Some of you have been gifted in a way that you just love to serve in the background. Like you don't want to be on the stage. You don't want to have your name in the bulletin. You don't want any attention whatsoever. You're like, look, if people, if I could do it and no one even know I was there doing it, that's, that's what you want. Man, that's a glorious gift that God has given you and you can use it for his glory. And it's not about getting the attention and the praise from the people. Now, it's great to say, add a boy, add a girl and kind of, you know, pat each other on the back and, and celebrate people who serve and be thankful for that. But it's not about that at its core. It's about just serving the church. Many of you know Ray and Connie Garcia moved recently to Florida. And if you were here for their kind of going away thing that we did for them, uh, it was a great time to just pray over them and encourage them and just share God's love with them and remind them that we're still their church family no matter where they move. But man, Ray was someone that I could always count on to just serve. And you know, Ray never complained about not getting glory for it. Ray never complained about not getting a thank you from somebody or, or the church as a whole. He never wanted to come on the stage and go, okay, now everybody thank me for the hours I've served this week. He's just a great example of using his gift and his talent for the Lord. And so again, you may not see how you fit, but I promise you in Christ, there's a place for you. As we move on this morning, we need to unpack this a little bit more. Everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. So why are we needed? I'll give you two quick things. This is not exhaustive, but two quick ways that you are needed just as you are, as you allow God to continue to shape you and conform you to his image. The first thing is to support, to be a support to the church and to others. Uh, you can turn back just a couple books in the New Testament to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And again, if you're using a Bible provided, that's page 765. So Acts chapter 2 and verse 45. A simple verse, but a powerful verse. This is kind of recording the history of the early church in the book of Acts. The church is pretty brand new. Christ has just recently died on the cross and ascended back into heaven. And so Acts chapter 2 is talking about this early church, this new church, as they're growing and expanding. And here's the testimony of this church. Verse 45 of Acts chapter 2. And sold their possessions, the individuals, they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. You see, they, they were willing to give and support other believers in the church and those in need merely because they wanted to. It's important to note this was not forced. The apostles never said, okay, everybody, let's gather all your stuff. You got to sell all your homes and all your possessions, put all that together. No, they just were encouraged to be followers of Christ, to surrender to Christ as God would lead them. And some of them in the church made a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to sell some things that I don't really need, or maybe I need them, but I don't really want them anymore because God can use that for his glory. And because they did that, God was able to use them to meet needs of other people in the church or even in the community. And so there's a level of support here. There's this idea of oneness that I can, I'll do whatever it takes to help someone else in the church. This is not just with our giving financially, which we've already talked about a little bit with our offering. It's not just giving financially, which is vital as we are able to do the ministries we do because of your generosity. This is supporting one another through prayers, words of comfort, wisdom, encouragement. I, I tell you guys this before, and it's so true. The fact that people show up Sunday after Sunday encourages me. 
You might say, well, that sounds kind of silly. You're, you're a preacher. Of course, people come to church. It sounds silly, but it's true. Because I know for a fact you're not here to hear me. And if you are here to hear me, I'm really sorry you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be let down. Because I'm not perfect. I'm not infallible. But man, if you've come to hear from Jesus Christ and his word and the spirit of God working in our midst, man, you'll never be disappointed. You'll never be let down. See, here's the thing. I went to a Bible college and every time we had chapel, there were kids that would sit through chapel. And these are pastoral majors, missions majors, youth majors. Well, the youth majors, they usually slept through chapel. But anyway, that's just a little encouragement for Pastor Greg, our youth pastor. But um, I mean, they had tough schedules, man. They're youth pastors, they had a lot of work, like studying for like how to order pizza for youth events and stuff like that. It was really complicated classes. But Pastor Greg went to, you know, Liberty University. He'll remind me of that. His diploma is bigger than mine. So that's, yeah, if you go in his office, it's framed bigger than mine. Okay, anyway, whatever. But when, you, when we sat through chapel, I remember looking at these students who were just like, study for other classes or read through chapel and like just kind of slack off, you know. And I remember I asked a couple of them one time that were friends of mine. I said, why do you do that? Like, why? This is awesome. These guys are coming in from all over the country sharing the word of God with us. Don't you want to engage this? And they said, well, I just didn't get anything out of it. I just didn't really get anything out of that speaker because, you know, he's not really my kind of speaker. You know, he's a little too monotone for me or he's a little too excited for me or he's a little too whatever other preference. And there's people that sit through church services in our country Sunday after Sunday that go, I just didn't get anything out of that. Now, I understand there's churches that don't preach the word. I understand there's churches that don't get into the word, don't share the truth of the word. I understand that. And that's different. But if somebody's opening the word of God and sharing with us the truth from the word of God, man, we can always get something out of that. And if you aren't getting something out of it, I would encourage you to prayerfully consider maybe it's not the speaker Maybe it's our hearts that aren't open to it. Maybe it's our ears that aren't receiving it. See, we're here to support each other. When you come to receive from Christ what he has, it encourages me because I love seeing people on fire for Jesus. I love seeing people hungry for the word of God. But I love when I get texts or emails or phone calls from people saying, hey, I was reading this and what do you think about that? Or I was reading this and I'm not sure what this means, but I'd love to know more about that. And nothing gets me more excited than that. And that's an encouragement that you're giving to me and I pray that by coming with the word of God this morning, I pray I'm encouraging you. But I also pray that you're encouraging each other as you pray for each other and share words of encouragement with one another. However that looks to you in your daily life, I encourage you to prayerfully consider those opportunities. We actually got to experience that type of support just last week, as I've already kind of referenced, when we prayed over Alan Corbett as a church as he's leaving today to start his journey with the Marines. We supported each other as a church to support Pastor Keith and Renee and their family and just to pray over him. It comes in many different forms, but we can encourage each other that way. We are needed to support one another. We're also needed to serve. We are needed to serve. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So you have Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians. So just a couple books uh, farther to the right in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I want to read just a couple of verses here. We're going to kind of jump through some of this passage, but I want you to see the emphasis here of not just supporting each other, but we needed to serve each other. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Again, Paul writing to the church at Corinth, 
in regards to encouraging them, using their gifts and talents for the Lord. For as one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, as one body has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. He's using the human body as an illustration here. Your body is one body, but you have many members, fingers and toes and arms and eyes and ears. Okay, so he's saying this example here. The church of Christ is one body, but it's many different parts of that body. And it's an illustration to show us that each part matters and is important. He goes on to say this in verse 13. Or I'm sorry, verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. So it's not one part, but many. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. This is just an example to that. Read the whole chapter to get the full weight of the context, but I hope you see what Paul's saying here. Every single part of the body is needed and matters. Whether or not other people recognize it, it doesn't matter. If somebody doesn't recognize your value and the need for you in the body of Christ, it doesn't change that you are needed in the body, in the church to make an impact and to serve one another. I love that Paul says the church is a body and every member is important to serve one another, not by being someone else, but by being exactly who God created you to be with the purpose and intent that he made you for, to follow that purpose. We are so blessed here with so many that serve so faithfully in our church in various ways, using their gifts and talents and time to minister to the church. The truth is everyone is needed to be the church. If we want to be the church, we need every member to be the church. So let's be guarded against thinking like a church person. When you start thinking like a church person, you start thinking you are here to be served instead of thinking like a follower of Christ and being here to serve others. I said it last week, we want people to come here and worship with us, not being drawn by a program or a praise team, but by the presence and the person of Christ. However, sometimes we make church about something else altogether. In our day and age today, in church culture especially, there's church consumerism. This is where we basically treat church like we do deals on Amazon. We want the best deal for us, the quickest time, the shortest service, and what makes us feel the best. And we want that, and we want it now. Our society is very much driven by this. Please me, the customer, and I'll come back and maybe give a little more tithe. If you don't please me, the customer, I'll take my business elsewhere. This has crept into the church. And there's a lot of individuals that struggle with this. And I understand the struggle. I understand why it's tough. It's all about, for some, it's all about me. People leave churches that aren't doing it their way or aren't friendly because someone didn't say hello to you the one Sunday in the last month after four Sundays or three Sundays of saying hello. But if we get all worked up over things like that, I would wonder if we are gathering for the right reasons. Now, again, I'm not talking about a church that doesn't preach the word of God, a church that is ignoring things like that or isn't really going and doing what church is supposed to be doing. I'm not talking about that kind of a thing. I'm talking about you walk into a church and the AC is a little too warm, not quite cool enough. You walk into a church and you know what? That preacher, he talks a little too long. Why can't he keep that to 25 minutes, you know? And you might laugh or think that's not, that's kind of silly. No, I'm telling you guys, this is church culture today. There's a lot of people that are doing this. They want what they want, and they're not willing to come and say, you know what, let me just see, do they preach the word of God? Do they encourage me in the things of God? Are they serving the body by trying to be a blessing to them, by meeting needs so that I can also have opportunity to meet needs? 
The truth is we come to worship Christ. Encourage other believers by serving, praying, and growing with them in Christ. If someone else isn't doing what they are called to do, if someone else in the body isn't doing what they're called to do, that doesn't stop us from doing what we are called to do. Because ultimately, we are here to please him individually and both collectively. You see, everyone is needed to serve and to support. But also, as we kind of finish up here, I want us to know that everyone is empowered. Everyone in the church is empowered in Christ. You are in chapter or in Acts chapter 2. Go back to the book of Acts, and we're going to start in verse one, or chapter 1. So Acts chapter 1, you were in chapter 2. But I want to look at a verse that is so familiar to many of us, but I hope the impact hasn't been lost on us. So Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. This is following or getting ready to where Christ is ascending into heaven and he's giving a commission and encouragement to his disciples, those that are followers of Christ. He says this, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's giving them regions that they're in. Closest to home, Jerusalem. Judea is kind of the next circle out. Samaria is the next area north, and then the whole world. He's just saying it's going to start at home and then move out from there. This testimony, this sharing of Christ. But the key in this is how are we able to do what God has called us to do? We've already established we're not perfect. We have limitations. We have weaknesses, right? If we do it in our own strength, we're going to blow it. We're going to mess it up. So how in the world do we do what we're called to do? How do we serve as we're supposed to serve? How do we support the church and other believers and others in the church like we're supposed to do? We realize that we have been empowered to do this through the Holy Spirit. Another reference you can jot down, we won't turn there for time's sake, but Ephesians chapter 3, if you're taking notes, or if you'd like a copy of my notes, I'll give those to you. We can send them to you digitally. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, and then chapter 4, verse 4. The key here is the church finds its power in the Holy Spirit. It's that Holy Spirit that empowers us to do what we've been called to do. We have all the power available to us that was available to the early believers in the New Testament because it is the same spirit working in us, Ephesians 4.4, 4, which I referenced a moment ago. We have all the power we need because we have the same power that the early believers had because it's the same spirit. Now, let me say quickly, that does not mean we will see all the same, quote, things happen today as we see in the early church. And the reason I point that out is because God had a very specific plan and purpose in certain things in establishing the church. And some of those things are not needed now that we have the completed word of God and the established church. And so we will still see God move. We will still see the power of God on display for his glory. But the way in which he moves or the things he does may be different than what we see in the book of Acts. Because again, God's power remains, his purpose remains to glorify himself, but how he does that does change from time to time and how he displays that from the early church to even today. A good example of that I'll give you is on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the spirit fell, there was a display of God's power, and then Peter preached and thousands of people received Christ. There's not more days of Pentecost, there's one day of Pentecost because God only needed to do that once. 
but the power of God that was in that moment is still fully available through Christ and through the Spirit. The glory of God being displayed is still available, and us being used to preach the gospel that others may come to know Christ still available, still active, but the way in which that may appear may be different. Christ promised that he will build his church, and he gives us the power to be involved in that building process. His power is unlimited, unending, and it is the power to change lives, both in and out of the church. Notice the Bible tells us it's not he might build his church. The Bible says he will build his church. And so what does it look like when he builds his church? What does it look like when the Bible says that Christ will build his church? And how does he do that? What does that actually look like practically? Well, I want to encourage us to think about it more as a garden than a structure. Do we have any garden uh, people here? You've planted a garden, you're growing a garden, a couple of people. How many of you are starting to get results from that garden? How many of you planted things and you don't know what it is coming out of the ground right now? It doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. Okay, you're kind of bummed because you didn't think a cucumber could look like that. Not sure if it's edible. You might just give that to your neighbor and say, God bless you. Okay, have a great day. Tell me what it tastes like. Okay, okay, we, we're familiar in this community with gardening and those kind of things. So when we think about building the church, although we have the example of a physical structure, I think in our understanding, because we've made sometimes church the building, I want us to think instead of a building, think more like a garden. Think of more of planting something, watching it grow, and then harvesting from that vegetable or that tree, whatever it might be, the fruit or the produce that is given. And so we think about it more as a garden than a structure. God is building or growing his church to produce fruit. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write that down. God is building or growing his church to produce fruit. So what is the fruit that we can see in the growing that he is doing in his church? So the fruit we see. Now, we won't always see the fruit, at least not initially. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it's fruit that God is doing inside an individual in their own hearts and minds. And we see the results of that later. But as we understand it from Scripture, we do see some examples of some fruit that we can see in the believer's life. So what is the fruit we see? The first thing is a life that connects with other believers. And I'm going to reference Acts chapter 2. I'm going to give you some references that I've taken notes. Again, if you need a copy of my notes, I'll give that to you. But Acts chapter 2, because it's a good summary grouping of verses that help us to see what the church can be. Now, the early church wasn't perfect. The early church had its problems. If you read through the book of Acts, you're going to find out very quickly they had a lot of problems. Uh, 1 Corinthians is a letter written to a church that had all kinds of problems. I mean, if they could do it wrong, they were doing it wrong. And Paul was trying to write to them to encourage them to change the way they were thinking and acting as a church. But in Acts chapter 2, we see some good examples of these things. So Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 48, we see the example of a fruit that is a life that connects with other believers. The church word or the word you might hear around church that speaks to this is the word fellowship. Fellowship. If you're new to church and you've never really heard that before, all fellowship means is a time for believers to come together and connect with each other and do this life thing together, to journey together in encouragement. Another fruit that we see when God or Christ rather is growing his church is we will see the met needs of others in love. Others' needs will be met in love. Acts 2.45. This is called ministry. So when we say ministry, I mean we're doing something or something is going on that's hoping to meet the need in someone else. 
This might be a service thing to provide food. It might be the prayer guide we talked about where you can pray for other believers. Then you're, you're ministering to them, although they're miles away. They don't even know, but you're interceding for them before the Father and you're doing something for them that nothing else can do. When you pray for someone, you're asking the God of all creation to work in someone's life as you cannot. That's ministry. Teaching the word of God could be ministry as you're sharing the truth of encouragement that others need and you're meeting those needs. Along those same lines, we see in Acts 2.42 that they were devoted to learning about our God. One of the fruits we'll see is there's a devotion to learn about God, his truth, who he is. This is called discipleship. Discipleship is really just, I want to know more about him. I mean, he, he saved me, and that's great, and I, I, I know he loves me, but I want to know more about him. And discipleship is huge as we grow when understanding more about him. And we're always going to be on a road of discipleship. We're never going to have it all figured out. If you meet a Christian who says they know all the answers, they're lying. And we're always going to have questions. We're always growing and learning together. And that's why it's so important we have connections with other believers that we can grow with, Right? People want to know, man, what does the Bible really say about this or that? And you can connect with other people that take you to the word of God and journey with you. So we see some fruit here. We see fellowship. We see ministry. We see discipleship. We also see another fruit, participating in people accepting Christ. Desiring to participate in people accepting Christ. Acts 2, 41 and 47. Just sharing our faith. As a church, we want to encourage you to, in your area of influence, right where you are, to share Christ. Here at the church, we share Jesus being the only way. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus' words, not mine. So we share Christ, and we see that as a fruit when people receive Christ or hear about the gospel. That's called evangelism. Evangelism is just sharing our faith and sharing the truth of the gospel. Another fruit that we'll see in the church as he's growing his church is that we celebrate God and worship and prayer. We celebrate God and worship and prayer. Acts 2, 42, 47. And so again, we see this as worship. Worship is not just the music that takes place before the message. Worship is any time that we celebrate God. We lift him up and we praise him. We do that in music. We do that through preaching and teaching. We do that through prayer. We do that in many different ways. Worship is not one thing. It's a lifestyle of how we live as believers. I believe a key in being a part Again, apart. We don't make the fruit grow. We just nurture. I asked before how many of you garden. If you're a gardener, you know you water, right? You take care of the ground around it. But do you make the corn grow out of the ground? No. And in the same way, God gives the increase. He grows the fruit that we see. But a key to being a part of that fruit being produced in our church, to seeing that happen, is to not try to produce the fruit but just to understand that we're called to distribute the knowledge of Christ so that he may grow that fruit in someone else's life. And a key in understanding that is prayer. To pray. Prayer is vital to what God desires to do in the church. It's not just individual prayers, which is needful as well, but it's corporate prayers that will strengthen the church and our focus on the Lord. No matter the results we see or don't see, remember we are not producers, we are merely distributors of the grace of God. And so in closing this morning, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, just right there where you are, how do you see yourself fitting in to the body of Christ? If you're already serving in a position or some kind of a way, whether it's a big type, what we define as big, you know, music ministry, something like that, 
Or maybe it's something simple in the background that no one even knows you're doing. Whatever it is, however you're serving, I would ask you, why are you serving? Why are you serving? Are you serving because it's genuinely what God has called you to do and there's a need and you know you can meet that need? So although it may not be exactly what you want to do, but you know it's filling a need, so you say, God, I'll surrender to you and do that. Are you serving because you want attention and glory and, and you want people to know so somehow you get applause from them? I would just say and encourage you to really evaluate that for yourself. It's something that I know as a pastor, I pray often, God, do not allow me to forget the grace that I received in my humility before you in my sin. I am no greater than anyone else. So many pastors I know fall from pride. They think it's all about them. And I'll tell you right now, it's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. If you are doubting God's ability to use you, let me encourage you that, as I just said, and I know it's a common thing we say, but if God can use me, he can use you. And I, I mean that genuinely. It's not about you and I and our ability to be used. It's about him fitting us together into an amazing temple for his glory. One last verse, and then we're going to close in a time of invitation. Ephesians 5.27. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to read it. It says here that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And my encouragement to you is that's how Christ sees the church. And in Christ, as you know him as Savior, that's how he sees you. He sees you as holy, without blemish, perfect, sinless. Everything. But, I, but I've sinned. I've done wrong things. I know in this flesh we struggle. But in Christ, those sins are forgiven. And he sees you as his son or his daughter. And he desires to grow in a relationship with you that he might use you for his glory and bless you in the process. The amazing thing is when we serve, we will be served. When we look for him and his glory to be on display, he will fill us with his strength and bless us greatly. Let's pray and ask God to give us an ability to apply these things to our hearts and lives today. Father, as we spend just a short time in invitation today, Lord, we desire that we respond to you, that we respond to your goodness and your grace in our lives. And Lord, I know this morning's message was a little different in the sense that kind of speaking pretty specifically to how you desire to use us in your church and in the the growing of your garden that you will, Lord, of, uh, of encouragement and strengthening other believers to minister, to disciple one another in the things of God, to worship you, to share our faith, which is really just sharing the gospel. Lord, to connect with other believers for encouragement and strength. Lord, I pray that you would produce that fruit here. And I pray that as you're producing that fruit, which I believe you are, because you said you would, I pray that we would see it we praise you for it, and we desire to be a part of what you're doing. Just using our gifts and talents, our little, uh, our part of that, if you will, Lord, might seem small, but I pray that we would put ourselves out there, connect, and be used by you to do great things. And so, Father, we thank you for these that are here, and I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here that is doubting your ability to, to use them to encourage someone else because of what they've done, I pray they would know that that sin can be forgiven that they are not useless, but they are valuable because you created them. I pray they'd see their worth is not in their looks or their finances, their careers or their relationships. Their value is intrinsic. It's in them because you formed them just as they are. And I pray they would know that today and have a confidence in you to know they are loved. Father, give us the ability to apply these things as we look to you for all things. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.